We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are in the middle of a series at the moment called Grow Together. And one of the uh, things that we've just been singing about and praying into is that life that God has for us and how we share that life together. Because that was why Jesus came, right? This is why he gave his life for us, why he died on a cross, why he rose again for us, that we might have the life of heaven in our lives, that we might have God's life in us. And you might think, well, that's, that's pretty cool, you know, that the God who created the world, we can have his life in us. And that was God's purpose. That was always the way that God created life to be. And so when Christ came, that's the life he came to minister to us. And that's why Christians refer to it as the good news. Because good news, right? That, that is the life that he has for us. And the good news is we all, everyone here today, everyone has access to that life. And it takes choosing to live for Christ. It takes turning from our sin, as we were talking about before, as we were singing about before, giving up the way that we live our lives and living God's way. That's how we put our life back in right relationship with God, where we trust in what he has achieved for us on the cross. And as we make that decision, as we go on that journey of choosing Christ and allowing his life to become our lives, we, we need help with that, right? Um, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but as you go on that journey, it kind of helps to have other people going on the journey with you to know, well, what does this look like and how does it all work? And if you are um, still going on that journey today, if you're here listening to this today and you're going, hey, I don't even know what a relationship with God looks like, then we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we'd love to have that conversation with you after the service as well. What, is, what does that actually look like to surrender your life, to surrender your sin and trust in Christ? What is, what is the process? What does a prayer like that look like? If, if you want to go on that journey, we want to go on that journey and help you in that, in that relationship, that reconnection that you can have with God. For many of you, you are on that journey already. You, are, you have chosen Christ and you're, you're going on that journey and you're going, well, how do I grow closer to God? And the whole sort of premise of the series is that in order for us to grow in God, we need each other. We need help to do that. As John T. mentioned last week in Hebrews 10, it says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Now, that's kind of a bit of an old-fashioned word, isn't it? I was kind of like, spur one another on. Like, what does that look like? It, it kind of made me think of, you know, imagine if you went to the Olympics and you had, you know, the rest of the New Zealand team around you and you were competing in an event, or, you know, swimming or running or whatever. You know, you can imagine the rest of the, well, if they were available, they'd be right there with you going, come on, yeah, go for it. You know, they'd be, they'd be cheering you on, they'd be encouraging you, they'd be doing whatever it helps you to, to keep going on this journey. And that's what the church is meant to be about. That's, that's kind of who we're meant to be. We're meant to be this community of people that are encouraging each other to grow in Christ. 
We communicate it this way, and uh, actually I was going to put this on the screen and I forgot, but I'll read it out. Um, we desire to see every member of St. Martin C. Theresa's, all of us, committed to a discipling relationship where they invest in others and others invest in them so that we grow closer to Christ, we grow in what our Christian life means, and we fulfill God's mission for our lives. Like That's what we want, don't we? Don't we want to grow in Christ? Don't we want to, to fulfill God's purpose for our lives? So then let's develop relationships with each other that help that process. So that's what we're all about. Now, as we discuss this, you're probably going, well, how do we actually do that? Like, what does that actually look like? Well, we're not the first church to wrestle with that question, as you would appreciate. The, the church has been around for 2,000 years, and you know, it's wrestled with that question of how do we encourage each other? What is, what is followers of Christ uh, coming together and encouraging each other to grow in their relationship with God look like? And we have some great examples in Scripture of exactly this. Because most of the New Testament is basically church leaders writing to churches that they've either been in or currently in and encouraging them to do exactly this. So there's some good advice in these letters. And the letter we're going to look at today is the book of Colossians, um, written to the church in Colossae. Now, just to give you a bit of context um, Colossae was in Galatia, which was in Asia Minor. We would now know it as Western Turkey, kind of the Istanbul side if you're thinking of Turkey. About a thousand kilometres away from where the epicentre of the earthquakes were a couple of weeks ago. So just kind of think west of that. And this was a church that uh, Paul had established. He had gone into this town, he had preached the gospel, people had chosen to follow Christ, and they had gathered together in a group, the church in Colossae, and had grown, and, and for all intents and purposes, doing pretty well. And so Paul starts his letter like this. This is Colossians 1, verse 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and to Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for all of God's people. So in other words, they have the faith. Like Paul can see the faith that they have. He can see this faith being worked out in action. Verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. That has come to you. In the same way, the gospel, or that good news, that relationship with God that we were talking about before, is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So what Paul sort of starts with here is, guys, you're doing well. You're doing okay. I can see that you've got faith in God. I can see that you're influencing the town around you. You know, Good on you. Great. Keep up the good work. But he's writing this letter to encourage them because he knows there is talk among the church that's healthy and it's good, and then there's some talk among the church that is not helping people grow in Christ. 
So he spends the next two chapters talking about Christ. And actually, some of the songs that we're singing about today could be taken straight out of Colossians 1 and 2, just magnifying in the name of Jesus and talking about how amazing Jesus truly is and how we find life in him and how we're to stay close to him. But, and, and, and most of the church were doing this, and they were encouraging each other in their relationship with God. It was all good. Much like Anna reading out the scripture today about how we are sons and daughters of God, they were encouraging each other like that. And Paul's going, that, that's great. Keep up that, because that's really good. But there were others in the church that had built, brought in rules and ideas from the outside, not Christian, not biblical, that they thought were helpful for the church, but they're really not that helpful at all. So Paul addresses those people and say, says basically, hey, be careful who you listen to, because there's some damaging teaching out there. So let's pick it up in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. There we read this. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world, do you still submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based merely on human commands and teaching. In other words, they don't come from Jesus, so why are you bothering with them? Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In other words, there was obviously some people struggling with sin in the church in in Colossae. And these people were coming and going, well, if you're just really tough on yourself and you just had enough self-discipline, well, that would sort itself out. And it wasn't Christ-centered. It wasn't Christ-centered teaching. It wasn't focused on the cross. It was just these rules that people had made up. And, and Paul's going, look, look, don't, don't go down that track. That's not helping you grow. And so then we had come to Colossians chapter 3, where Paul basically takes the approach of, this is how I would tackle it. If I was encouraging you how to grow, this is how I'd do it. So let's look at, so that was all kind of in context. Now let's look at Colossians 3, where we kind of read, well, here's the right approach to encourage each other how to grow in your faith in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 1. Let's go. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, died to sin, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. What Paul is basically saying here is that Christ has changed your life. If you've prayed that prayer where you've surrendered your life to him, where you've given over your life to him, where you've given him control of your life, he has come in, his life has come into your life. And it's completely changed the way that you think. It's changing the values that you have. It's changing your priorities. It's changing the way you behave. It changes all of that. Now, if it's done that, if that's changing, then keep going on that track. You relied on Christ to make that change in your life. Now, don't rely on something else to do it. Rely, keep your focus, keep your mind, keep your heart centered on Christ. 
So one of the important things that Paul is urging this church to do here and is urging us to do is whatever growth we're encouraging in each other, let it be Christ-focused. Let it be Christ-centered. Let it be focused on what Jesus would say, what Jesus taught. Let's keep our minds and our hearts focused there. And what does that look like? Because that's a bit tricky. Like, to be honest, when, when I say that, you go, well, that sounds like a good idea, Warren, but how do you know what living for Christ looks like? Well, as I've grown through the years, um, I've looked at, at, in my spiritual life, I've looked at people that are further down the track than me. And in particular, people that are, let's say, more senior in years. And there are plenty of wonderful examples in this church of godly senior people in our church who you can be inspired by and ask them, talk to them. They've had years of walking with Christ, years of learning, well, how do you, how do, you do this? How do you go about this? And what do you value and what do you do that helps you grow in your relationship with Christ? I remember um, first uh, coming here to, um, to Christchurch and and just being so inspired by um, some older people in, in, in the congregation and, and just their heart for God, their deep passion for prayer and their deep passion for, for the Bible. Um, like uh, Paul's mum, Margaret, like just, just amazing heart for God's word and, 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 and memorizing and things like that. Uh, uh, my previous pastor, Don Ferguson, just his his passion for theology and, and knowing God and communicating it well, and just being inspired by people like that. If, if, if you see someone that you see on their lives, there's just a, an anointing, so to speak, a gifting, a, a presence, a, a God's gifting, God's um, empowerment on their life that inspires you, well, then get beside them. Trust me, they won't mind you drawing from that well, like asking them questions that um, are going to help you feed into your, your spiritual growth. Because we can inspire each other in the way that we live out our Christian lives. And here's a thought, who's looking at you? That's a, that's a bit scary, isn't it, when you start to think about that. As you're living out the life that Christ has for you, Who's watching you? And what are they seeing? What would they be inspired by? Would they see a Christ-centered life? Christ-centered values? Christ-centered priorities? Let's carry on. Verse 5. Paul says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the, in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the Creator. Because What Paul is saying is, We've got to have this approach to sin in our lives and in each other that we just don't tolerate it. We just, uh, we go after it and we, we kill it. We don't manage sin. And this is, this is a big mistake I've seen so many people make in their lives. They, 
they struggle with the sin and they and they they can't overcome it. And rather than turning to Christ, they go, well, I'll try and manage it. I'll just try and, you know, cope with it in my life. And you're like, oh, just just don't go there. Uh, let me tell you a quick story about this. When, when I grew up in the country, so at high school, a lot of my mates were out on farms and stuff like that. And kind of in the weekends, we'd be out, you know, hunting or out on motorbikes and stuff like that. And... Um, one of my good friends, he's a, he was a farmer, had a, and, and, you know, good with a gun, good on a motorbike, all that sort of thing. And we used to shoot possums and rabbits and all that sort of thing pretty regularly. And then he came to school one um, Monday and he goes, I've got a new pet. And we're like, oh, yeah, so, you know, a sheepdog or something like that. And he goes, no, 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 I, I found this little possum. And we're kind of like looking at him going, what? <laughs> you know, he goes, I'm going to try and tame this possum. And I'm like, we're going, are you crazy? Like, you can't tame a possum. Like, <laughs> how is that going to work? You know, he says, oh, no, I'm going to give it a go. So he kind of kept it out in his garage in a cage and then let it out now and again and, then, you know, all this sort of thing. And we're going, this is not going to end well. Well, about a week later, he comes to school and his arm's, like, totally wrapped in this big bandage. And we go... Yeah, so what happened there? And he goes, ah, uh, yeah, the possum. <laughs> we go, is the possum still alive? Ah, uh, no, the possum's not around anymore. Because <laughs> you know? he's scratched them all up and things like that. You can't tame what isn't designed to be tamed. Do you get the point? Don't try and tame sin in your life. You can't tame Satan. He's out to destroy you. He's out to be destructive. So... Don't try and manage sin, just kill it, just deal with it. If you need help with that, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6, which is actually a similar area, um, a letter written to a church just down the road from Colossae. He says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Notice, gently, don't jump on them, don't hit them with a sledgehammer with judgment, just get alongside them in love and gently. But watch yourselves that you may not may, you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, if you see someone, and, and people have done this in my life and I appreciate it, where they've come to me and gone in love and with their trust have gone, Warren, you could have reacted a bit better in that situation. And I was going, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I need some help on this journey. And if you're thinking, oh, you're sitting there and you're struggling with a sin and you're the only one struggling with it, no, you're not. There are plenty of other people. And, and, and what the devil tries to do is he tries to isolate us. There are plenty of other people that are probably struggling with the same sin, or they've found freedom from that sin and they can help you. But turn to people, turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us help each other. Verse 11 says this, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Paul says similar things to this in all his letters. And what is he getting at here? What he's saying is that in the church, there's a different system to the world. When you're out there in your workplace, there's a hierarchy. You have a boss, 
and you have to be answerable to them. Or you have a board and you're answerable to them. In the family, there is structure. But in the, in the church, there is this mutual relationship and accountability in regard to discipleship. Okay, in, in regard to decision making, sure there is some structure in the church, but in regard to discipleship, like whose responsibility is it for me to help this person grow in Christ and for other people to help me? We're all on the we're all on the same team here. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter which gender you are, we are all one in Christ. So let these mutual relationships that we have which, with each other. Help us become aware of how, where in our lives we need to grow, what needs to change. And let us receive input to do that. And I am so appreciative of the body of Christ because I don't think I would have known what it looks like to live for Christ without other people showing me the way, without other people speaking into my life. But I had to allow them to do that. And I appreciate that this is a church where there is care, there is that nurture, there is that um, desire to help each other grow in Christ. And I think we can do that, we can just take that to another level uh, this year. So how do, we, how do we make our church the safe, mutual, healthy place to be where we're growing together? Well, let's come back to Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. So let's just pause there before we carry on. What Paul is saying here is that your attitude, your approach, as you have these conversations, as you seek to communicate how to grow together, it's really important that you're doing it in love. That you actually really care about the person that you're talking with, that you, that you get alongside them in a gentle, loving way. Suggest how they could grow, what that might look like for them. And I, I remember one time we were, um, as, a, as a staff team, we were up at a conference in, in, in Auckland, and uh, uh, we, we had issues with our rental car, and, um, and things like that really frustrate me. I don't know about you, but uh, I kind of think, Man, if I've paid for it, and this is meant to be right, then, you know, we're going to get this right. And uh, so um, I took another staff member with me, and we, we went to return this rental car and see if we could swap it over for another one. We drove all the way back across town, which was annoying when you're in Auckland and all that sort of thing. And we got there, and the, and the guy didn't sort of care very much about the issues that were going on with the car. Well, yeah. Um, that didn't go down that well with me. <laughs> so um, I probably raised my voice a little bit and uh, got, got a little bit angry. And, um, and then it was actually uh, someone out of the staff member went, okay, hang on, okay, 
can we just, you know, <laughs> just kind of brought a bit more gentleness and a bit more love into the situation. And the whole situation uh, sort of sorted itself out. And as we're driving back, he goes, Warren, you got a bit, you got a bit titchy there. And I went, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, like, it takes a bit of humility, doesn't it? It takes a bit of, um, yeah, swallowing our pride to admit that, hey, I haven't got it all together yet. And I, there's, there's still, I'm still a work in progress. And, um, I, but I appreciate it. I accepted this person's correction. Why? Because I knew they were there for me. I knew that they loved me. I, I knew that they cared about me. And I knew that they cared about my spiritual growth and maturity. So even though it might be a little bit difficult for us to have those conversations sometimes, let's have the courage Let's just check our hearts, make sure that we're doing it in love and we're doing it with gentleness and doing it with respect. But let's have the conversation. Okay, verse 16. Let the message of Christ, again, Christ-centered, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What Paul is saying here is there is a place to teach and to admonish. And remember what I talked about before, that, that, that we're all responsible for this. It's not just up to John T and I or whoever's up here to do the teaching and you kind of go, oh, well, I'll, we'll just do the receiving no, 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 we are here to teach each other. In other words, when, you, when there's a lack of knowledge from someone about how to grow in Christ, well, fill that void, help them out. Give instruction when instruction is needed. When you're in your connect group or when you're just in discussions after church with each other and, you, and you're sharing about something, if you, if you know of something that helps the other person and they don't, well, impart that knowledge to them. Now, again, do it with, with love and respect and all that sort of thing, but go, hey, you know what I've found helpful, what God has shown me is this. You know, do you, is that helpful for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So it is a place for teaching each other. Now, here's a really tricky one. This is where the rubber hits the road. Admonishing each other. What is it? It's, again, it's one of those um, old-fashioned words. What does it mean to admonish? It means to correct each other. Oh, hang on a minute. Us Kiwis, we don't do that so well, do we? We go, hang on, this is my business. You just let me do my thing. But if we're not open to correction, then how are we going to grow? Maybe we need to develop some humility in the church. Maybe we need to develop a healthy accountability to people that we trust and respect who we know have got our backs, who we know are there for us. And when we do that and they speak into our lives, actually rather than sort of sort of getting a bit grumpy and going a bit quiet, and, hmm, yeah, okay, you actually thank them. Actually thank them for having the courage to have that conversation with you. I, for this, this guy in the incident in Auckland, I actually went back to it. I didn't actually receive it that well at the time, because I was still a bit fired up. But anyway, a week later, I actually uh, caught him after church, and I actually said, hey, thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for correcting me, because I needed that correction. I needed, 
I needed your input at that point. Because I, I, it took a bit of courage to, uh, for him to challenge me on that. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that he did. So what is Paul saying here? The big picture is this. He's saying, number one, first over everything else, let us be Christ-centered. In all that we do, in, in what this looks like of how we grow together, let's make sure that what we're teaching each other isn't some rules that were made up or some um, other influence from you know, some self-help book or whatever we've read, but from the gospel, what Jesus has taught us. Let us be focused on Christ and Christ's way as we teach each other, as we admonish one another, as we help each other out. So let it be Christ-centered. Secondly, let it be motivated by love. And if in your helping of each other, if you're Christ-centered, if you're motivated by love and you've checked yourself that you're coming to this person with a heart of gentleness, with a heart of respect, then as you bring that, they will grow. It will help them. And then we can care for each other. Then we can help each other grow together. Now, I appreciate that. I, I think we do the the care questions quite well. Even as you kind of catch up after church today, most of you are going to walk around and go, yeah, so how are you going? Yeah, Tom, how are you doing? Oh, you're doing all right, you know? So we're going to have those sorts of conversations. And even if the person says, oh, no, sort of um, struggling a bit at the moment or with this or that or the other thing, I was talking to some people just before and they were saying that they've been going through COVID, been going through their family, and we care about that stuff, right? Yeah? Okay, yeah, we, we care about that. Maybe we pray for them. We'll certainly empathize with them. So we're used to asking the caring questions. But what we're not so used to asking is the growth questions. And our encouragement as you uh, connect in your connect groups, as you have conversations together, is ask the growth questions. Now, what are growth questions? Well, I've put them in your notes there um, under the suggested questions to ponder and discuss this week, but here are some examples that you might be able to use. You know, what is God speaking to you about lately? Now, you might think that's quite a confronting question, but why can't we ask those sort of questions as brothers and sisters in Christ? Isn't that what we're here to do, to help each other, encourage each other to grow? Uh, as someone asked me last weekend, which was a great question, is what does going deeper in your relationship with God look like this year? That's a great question. And why would we be offended by someone asking that question of us? Well, you, you might go, oh, yeah, because I'm not doing it. Well, then that's great. <laughs> They're encouraging you that question. So, so this is kind of where, this is how we see this working out, that we would ask, we would care enough about the people that we're sitting beside today to ask the sort of questions where we care about them, that we're really actually interested in what's going on in their lives, and we'll do what we can to pray for them and to support them. But we'd also care enough about them to go, what are, how are they growing in Christ? I actually care about this person that I'm talking to right now and what their growth looks like in God. So let's give each other permission to ask those questions. And when you ask those questions, 
then be responsive to them. Maybe even um, encourage the person that's had the courage to ask you that question and, and go, yeah, okay, yeah, give me a moment, I need to think about this, and maybe prepare yourself to be asked those questions. Can we do that together? That's, that's, the, that's the kind of journey we're on. Because we feel that as we do this as a church, we will go deeper in our relationship with God together. We'll grow together as a church. We'll create an environment here where it's, it's natural and normal to have those conversations. And we'll grow. We'll come into the life that God has for us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.